What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Uh, before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located in the Dairy Block between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, close to Coors Field. Um, great, great wine, great experience. Uh, it is, you know, you don't get that experience of... of of having a vineyard nearby here in Denver because we aren't really close to any of them. And it's, uh, it, you know, the, the closest it is, you have to go to Grand Junction, Colorado, and where I was um, a few a few weeks ago. And, you know, not everyone can just hop in the car and drive 250 miles to the Grand Valley. Sometimes you just want to stay close to home. And Blanchard is located right there in lower downtown. They have their own vineyards in the Russian River Valley in California, which is basically northern central uh, California. Um, and it is, you know, it, I had some great time there. And I had a great time sampling their wines, great Pinot, great Whites, great Blushes. Uh, and they had a great um, Cabernet blend, which I was extremely impressed with at the time. Uh, they also pair your wine with uh, charcuterie, which is basically meats and cheeses and, you know, things and tapenades, you know, th- things that you can uh, pair with your wine to en- enhance your experience. I was extremely impressed, and I would highly, highly recommend you re- you visit back to this place and enjoy some wine like I do. Once again, they are at Blanchard Family Wines. They are located in the middle of the dairy block, uh, between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Wazzy in beautiful lower downtown Colorado, Denver. Uh, tell them Jeff sent you. What's up, everybody? Okay, well, look at look at us here. This is it's been uh, almost a month. <laughs> you can tell it's the off season because you know the CSGs get more infrequent. I apologize. Uh, this Mortcast is going to be about what we saw with NBA free agency. And the price, what I call the price of parity in the NBA. Um, to give, not to bore everyone, but to give people some structure of what, what the NBA is. You can't do NFL-style parity in the N- NBA. It's impossible. Um, it's, Adam Silver has made this point over and over and over again. You can't achieve NFL style parity, and by the way, NFL style parity is not parity. The New England Patriots have gone to a zillion Super Bowls in twenty years, and they have won six of them. Okay, it is it is. Let's drop the narrative that there is quote parity in the in, in NFL. However, there is this kind of system in place that basically makes every team mediocre. People say, "Oh no, we're good." This no, every team basically is the same. In the in the NFL, that is a difference than than what it is in the NBA, where it is impossible because you will have a small amount of players on the on the floor at any one one point in time, and if you have one guy who is that big difference maker, you are ahead of the other teams, generally, and if you have two of them, you are miles ahead. It's because small rosters, and it's not the contracts, it's not anything like that. It is just what it is. What the NBA has done to increase their perception of parity was in 2011, when they locked the players out, they, there was, they made an avid uh, attempt to limit the length of contracts. 
So what was, I mean, all Nuggets fans will remember, Kenyon Martin signed for a seven-year contract in 2004. And his contract expired right as they were locking out players, which is ironic. But those seven-year contracts, uh, they didn't like. And in the 99 lockout, they had limited them from even longer contracts. The NBA really has, if over time, has actually basically since the mid-90s, contracted their, their salaries, um, their salary years, and tried to make it more about, you know, getting getting players to not max out their their caps and having no ability to improve a team. So the NBA kind of did, went settled on this. Four, two, at most five, and not everyone gets a five. Those are only in Supermax deals. Uh, four, four or five years contracts. They're mostly three-year contracts. And uh, basically creating what Mark Cuban at the time in 2011 called churn, free agent churn. More free agents into the pool at any one time. Now, obviously, it's not going to be that way all the time because there's only 400 and something players in the NBA. And it's the pool is just never going to be that big. That's why free agency is so nuts in the NBA. Now, this last, this last offseason, this offseason, I should say, we saw a bunch of player moves. We saw Kawhi Leonard uh, basically through the force of his gravity uh, go to the L.A. Clippers from the, the world champion Toronto Raptors, sorry, Masai, and through that gravity, take Paul George with him, uh, which was one of the more remarkable things. We've never seen that before. We've never, that was the first. That was the first. I'd never seen that before. Um, and so basically George says, get me to, to the Oklahoma City Thunder, get me to uh, the L.A. Clippers, and uh, the the Thunder obliged and got got uh, got a trade. Then Thunder flip and send Westbrook to uh, the uh, Houston Rockets, who sent Chris Paul to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Also, KD and uh, Kyrie Irving went to Brooklyn Nets. Anthony Davis goes to the LA Lakers. I mean, it, it, we've never seen anything like this. But what it has done is it has increased parity in the NBA. And parity is something that, um, and if I should say NBA style parity, which is a bunch of good, good, good to great teams and still a bunch of shitty teams. And that is probably despite the owner's consternation. And by the way, that is 100% true. They were really unsettled by this offseason really unsettled by it. Um, let's just take that to the bank that the, the owners were not, while I wouldn't say they were unhappy, they were really unsettled by the vulgar display of, uh, of player empowerment. And, but what it's done is it's created more parity in this league and um, as much as the NBA can get. But the price of that is you're, and if this is going to be extrapolated out, the price of that is that you, as a fan, are going to have to expect your best player will leave. You're just going to have to expect that to happen. Because of there's so little players in that are able to make a difference, the, 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 the real dichotomy that is set up is that the NBA wanted churn, but they wanted to keep players 
for seven to eight years. And really, this is where the owner's problem is. Restricted free agency is a farce. Uh, it, it always has been. Everyone knows it. Um, it's, it's, you are inevitably stay with the team that drafted you if they want you. And, uh, because it's set up that way. Um, but what's restricted free agency has, has allowed teams to do is get really lazy. And that laziness causes panic when that player is not happy with what you've done. And I think, I think where the owners are having a difficulty is like making sure that, that, Ownership wants to, not ownership, but I would say the, the, the whole structure of the front office wants to win and finds ways of winning while you have that player with you. Um, you, it, you would think that in the course of seven to eight years, you would be able to put together a team that is competitive and, can, and if they're, the player is that good, can compete for a title, you would think. Unfortunately, a lot of front offices take about five years to complete a team. If you extrapolate that out, you only have three, two to three years at the most to go in on a what you would call winning time. So if you take the first five years of a player's career and essentially waste them through development, if a guy's that good, you've got to identify it. And if you do that, then what happens is you, is you end up the last two, three years constantly panicking because you think you're going to lose the guy. Where in reality, you have had a player who, and like I said, you have to identify him as that guy. You've had a player for that long. And where I worry with the Denver Nuggets is, that, well, they have done everything right. I'm... Wondering if they delayed winning on a big scale too far. Because Nikola Jokic is now, will be into the second year of his contract that he signed, which was only four years. And Jamal Murray was signed for five. And so I don't believe they can offer Nikola Jokic a five-year deal. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Um it is a quandary that the Nuggets have found themselves in. And there's no guarantee that Nikola Jokic will stand ever. None. I, I mean, let's, let's be quite honest here. He's different. I suspect that he's just perfectly content with where he's at. I suspect it, but no one knows. When you reach a point to where you, slow, you slowly, slowly bid, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's right. We're entering an era of the NBA where players are empowered to move and enter into free agency, which is what the owners wanted. But since they're doing that, they're issuing that, that, that extra year that they can get, and they are saying, no, I'm going to go where I want. And a lot of teams spend too much time delaying and yes, that causes mistakes. But the NBA thrives on the middle. What makes the NBA a better league is the middle. I'll, I'll tell you something. In 1994, and this is, pre, uh, this is pre-Canadian expansion, so 
This is the year before, uh, I believe, actually, because both teams came in, Toronto and Vancouver came in in 1995. They had expanded from uh, 23 uh, in 1988 to 27, and there were 27 teams by the time you reached 1994, and then they got two more, and it was 29. And you could say that that, Expansion in 1995 is what allowed the Chicago Bulls to win 60, 72 games. Uh, it was a very weak year, and I, I think that that uh, probably contributed to that. But pre-94 expansion, excuse me, 95 expansion, you have the 1993-94 season, which saw one of the greatest number of 50-win seasons of anyone. Now, a lot of it had to do with Jordan's retirement, but it was probably the most parody I've ever seen uh, since about 1988, which was arguably the 87 88 season, arguably the greatest season in NBA history. Um, the 94 season is close. And it was, it was a lot of what you would call parody good teams. What's been happening with teams tanking and teams being deliberately bad is that it's lowered the bottom and raised the top. And the middle has been completely cut out. And where the NBA thrives is the middle. And they really need more teams trying to be good uh, because of the nature of, of the sport and the nature of what this, this uh, league does. You're going to need those good teams. And what this increasing player empowerment is going to do is it's going to force teams to be more participant in the idea of winning at an early, earlier clip. Milwaukee is really, really, really going to be up against it. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo came in 2013. His clock is earlier than Nikola Jokic, who didn't sign his first NBA contract until 2015. The Milwaukee Bucks are right up against it. And don't you believe that they are panicking right now? But is that good, better for the league, that if people people think Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to go somewhere else? This was a wacky offseason. And that parity that has happened because of it has spread talent out more in the league. I think the age of the super team is done, and you're going to have the age of the duo now. That helps teams like the Nuggets. That helps teams, you know, potentially like Milwaukee, you know. But we're going to see. We are going to see. The Eastern Conference is still pretty bad, but not as bad as they were. What does Giannis see? You know, and what will Nikola Jokic see by the time he is up? He's got three more years left. What will he see if he, when he gets to the end of it, and is like, well, what have the Nuggets done? What are we going to do? That is the price of parity. NBA-style parity. NFL-style parity is not achievable in the NBA. It is impossible you cannot get it. 
if the, even if the league had non-guaranteed contracts, which will never happen, if the league had non-guaranteed contracts, it would still be the same. It is not possible in the, in the NBA. But what we're seeing right now is very much possible. And that is the price you pay. So NBA fan, are you ready? Are you ready to see more com- a more competitive league coupled with the chance that you are going to lose your star? Think about that. But that's the way it is. And that's the, what the owners foisted upon themselves when they limited contracts. So we will see. We will see how this shapes up. And, you know, maybe, maybe we, as the time goes by, it will be, be not as dramatic as it would seem this off season. But you don't know. And I, I am really anxious to see what the, this, the Denver Nuggets do with this team. And to see if the slow build that they have been on is sufficient to retain who they think they're going to retain. We've got some time. But the clock's ticking. And his clock, clock is ticking on Milwaukee. And his clock is ticking on other teams that have players that they consider stars. The price of parity. Are you prepared to pay it? All right, thank you all for joining me in the latest Mortcast. I will be talking to you hopefully soon. All right, bye.